Welcome to Automotive Insiders, the podcast series presented by OESA, the Original Equipment Suppliers Association. You'll hear from automotive industry experts on the critical issues that are impacting the mobility landscape. Get actionable insights on how to thrive in Automotive 2.0. Now, here's your Automotive Insiders host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome to OESA Automotive Insiders. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Happy to be here. I have a very special guest today. We're going to be talking about a topic that is near and dear to everybody in every industry, whether you're an employer, whether you're a leader, whether you're a manager, whether you are an employee. We're going to be talking about COVID-19 vaccines. And my special guest is Kiffy Ford, Senior Counsel at the law firm Warner, Norcross, and Judd. Kiffy Ford, welcome to Automotive Insiders. How are you? Thank you, Bonnie. It's great to be here. I'm doing really well this afternoon. Thank you for having me. We're delighted. This is such an important topic, Kiffy. We haven't covered it on Automotive Insiders yet, and it's it's time. I just want to give a timestamp here. We are at the end of March 2021. So there is a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, right, Kiffy, in terms of companies going back to work. Kiffy, let's start by you introducing yourself to our listeners. What do you do? Who are you? How did you get into automotive? Welcome. Sure, That's great. Thank you very much. Um, As you mentioned, I'm currently at senior counsel um, at Warner Norcross and and Judd. Um, I am an attorney that has been in practice for approximately 25 years. Most of that time um, working for full service, large law firms. um, And I do have some experience working in-house managing a legal department um, for an organization that had about 8,000 employees. Um, My specialty is labor and employment law. Um, So I am regularly on the phone with employers, counseling them, helping them walk through difficult thorny issues, performing investigations, uh, drafting policies. And when things uh, go really sideways, I am also representing them in court um, if they happen to have legal challenges in the employment law area. So it's it's a a passion of mine uh, to help make certain that uh, workplaces are hospitable and safe and um, that everyone is able to really flourish. Very interesting. Well, you've got a big job today with the changing, right, Kiffy, the changes in the workforce, not just in automotive, but in every company. How did you get involved in the automotive side of law? Is this something that was part of the law firm? Is it something you chose? Give us a little more background. It's probably a combination of a couple things. I mean, I'm originally from Detroit, um, born and bred there. So automotive, the automotive industry is just, you know, a part of my life and a part of the culture um, that I was raised in and I have family members that worked in the industry. So there was always that level of familiarity and um, working for law firms in Michigan and Detroit, it's part and parcel of what we do. We are of service to the industry. So um, I think the combination of the geographical location and the fact that, um, you know, my firms are providing service to the industry. Thank you very much, Kiffy. The reason we're here is to talk about the vaccine. So let's get to it. Uh, Let's talk about from the big picture, 
How are most employers you work with, you know of, how are they handling vaccines for their employees? And an important seven-letter word has to pop up into this conversation, Kiffy, mandate. Can an employer mandate the COVID-19 vaccine? Kiffy, why don't you give us the background? What's happening? Sure. So generally, everyone wants to get back to some kind of normalcy. Um, We want to get back to efficient operations and productivity. But most of all, we want to keep everyone safe. And so employers right now, what is top of mind are um, really the vaccine, how to how to proceed with vaccine, the vaccine in the workplace. Um, many employers have questions about, you know, can can we mandate that employees receive the vaccine? Can we mandate that they uh, demonstrate and show us proof of being vaccinated? And the short answer to that is yes. Um, but it's far and few between. Most employers, if you're outside of healthcare, um, most employers are um, requesting and encouraging that their employees receive the vaccine uh, when they're able to do so. Um, and that's probably more than I, I looking at the studies, it's more than 70% of the employers out there, again, non-healthcare employers, um, employers in the auto industry, the big three are not mandating the vaccines. They are incentivizing, they are encouraging um, their workforce to, to get vaccinated. Go ahead. And so something that's really important um, to recognize is that there are a number of um, studies that say that not everyone is, is willing to get vaccinated. So a lot of employers right now and a lot of clients are really dealing with the fact that some employees are resistant mm-hmm. for a number of reasons, personal reasons for getting the vaccine. Um, and a number of employees are really wanting to remain um, working from home and teleworking. So we've got those two issues um, to really overcome in the workplace. And so employers are grappling with how to overcome the individual resistance to the vaccine in some circumstances, and how do we get people to feel safe and comfortable with coming back to the workplace? Interesting. That sounds like a a double a, a dual forest, a dual pitchfork, basically, Kiffy, is do people really need to come back to an office, to a building, to a site? Do they need to sit in a cubicle or on a line two feet away from people, 60, 60 centimeters away from people uh, within spinning distance? Pardon that comment <laughs> in, in, in the age of COVID, but we used to be able I to understand. say, since been, you do. And, and that seems to be almost another conversation about where will the workforce work or from where will they work? Will they choose? Will employees? And then the question of to come back into the building, do they need to have the vaccine? Thoughts about that, Kiffy? Well, you're absolutely right. I think a lot of employers and industries are evaluating mm-hmm. um, how feasible it is to continue with telework. I mean, that's that's a big issue. How How is it affecting overall productivity and you know, what do their employees really want? Um, I just uh, looked at one study that said that 40% of those were teleworking would prefer to continue teleworking permanently. And of of those, 70% would be able or would be willing to take a cut in pay to be able to work remotely, up to 20%. So those are real issues that we're going to have to grapple with going forward. 
Um, and I know it's not necessarily entirely related to the vaccine, but it does, there is some interplay, as I mentioned before. If you combine that to desire to continue teleworking with um, the, the issue that some people have um, with getting the vaccine and their concerns or reluctance to be vaccinated, you know, there's, there's a hurdle to overcome there. And it's, it's transformative in the workplace. Very transformative at the personal level, at the employee level, at the management level, at the industry level, impacts so many parts of automotive. Thank you, Kiffy. Let's take a dive into the incentivization. I hate that word, actually. Incentivizing people, giving them a reason to do something. So where do incentives come in? You mentioned it and how are employers using that term? So what I'll do is is kind of break down the two options of mandatory mm-hmm. versus encouraging vaccines, and then I'll talk about incentives a little bit more as we talk about the latter option. So if an employer, and I said earlier that the majority of employers will not be mandating, but if you are mandating a vaccine, which is legal to do, um, mm-hmm. the, the Equal Opportunity um, Commission has said that employers may um, may decide to make the vaccine mandatory and it doesn't violate the Americans with Disabilities Act to do so. Hmm. But if you decide to do that, you have to be willing and open to, and you must provide reasonable accommodations to individuals who, one, cannot take the vaccine because of some type of medical condition um, that like an allergic reaction to one of the components. Um, So they're not able to medically take the vaccine Mm -hmm. or two have a religious observation that prohibits them from taking the vaccine. Um, And previously, you know, my previous life running a legal department for a large organizations uh, folks will request accommodation. So um, for those two categories, because of a disability or because of a religious observation. And so the employer then, if you're mandating a vaccine and someone says, I can't take, I cannot take the vaccine because of one of those two conditions, the employer then is under a legal requirement to provide a reasonable accommodation for the individual so that they can continue to work. For example, are they able to um, work remotely? Are they able to uh, work in a less populated area? Um, can you mandate that you know they make certain that they're doing temperature checks and wearing their masks at all times? So that is that's one of the um, I guess complications like of mandating the vaccine is that you're going to run into a legal obligation to relieve people from having to take the vaccine. Um, So getting to the encouragement of the vaccine, which is what most employers are doing, um, that is, by and large, there are all kinds of ways to encourage employees to get the vaccine. It it should stop with or start with a top-down kind of culture where leadership is really expressing and communicating the importance of the vaccine and articulating the business reasons why everyone should get the vaccine um, and being very positive in those communications. Um, And some employers are thinking about what can we do to incentivize? So most commonly you'll see employers um, providing paid time off to go and get the vaccine and um, perhaps, you know, uh, gift cards, things of that nature. Um, And, the issue with with providing incentives is that you don't want to provide too much. Generally, as a, a as a standard rule, we're saying in the industry that providing more than a hundred dollars of value to individuals to get the vaccine is 
not a great idea. And the reason for that, and it gets kind of complicated, but if the amount of value for the incentive is so great that a reasonable person would not be able to turn it down, it becomes coercive. And so it looks more like a mandatory vaccine, which means you have to provide reasonable accommodations. It's no longer voluntary. So you, you'll, you'll, people can refuse to get it um, and you're going to have to provide accommodations or allow individuals who can't get the vaccine because of a medical condition or religious observation, allow them other ways to earn that incentive. So I know it's it's somewhat confusing, but the, the, the standard and the golden rule is if you are incentivizing the vaccine and encouraging your workforce to get it, don't provide anything of value more than $100. That is the general rule. Interesting. Kiffy, have, I guess this is new. Are, are studies being done about the response of the workforce in the companies that are choosing to incentivize? Or is it too early to have any, any real data on how this is coming across? You know, it's probably too early to have conclusive collective mm-hmm. wisdom. Um, but, you know, there are, there are new um, there are new attempts to look at things um, more collectively every day. And so it's, it's an evolving kind of best practice. Thank you very much. Kiffy, anything you want to add in terms of, I know we usually say lawyers can't give advice on a video or on a phone call. We have to put lawyer, uh, seek an attorney of your own to get, Actual. Of course, of course. I mean, that's always, you know, the best practice is that if you're faced with any kind of issues, especially mm-hmm. as we move forward into actually, you know, getting people back to work and maybe people requesting accommodations, make certain that you're conferring with legal counsel in those situations, because it's really important if you're entering that accommodation process with employees um, and it might be, you know, you might have an employee who can't wear a mask. And so there's a state there. If you have a work rule that requires a mask, um, you have to apply that work rule universally and consistently. And so um, if the individual can't wear a mask because of an anxiety condition or some other medical condition, there that that's an accommodation discussion under the Americans with Disabilities Act. And so um, it's really important to document all of those discussions and to seek legal counsel um, if you are entering that, that arena. Um, so that's one thing that I'd like um, employers to really keep top of mind and to understand um, and also, I mean, just generally, this has been a very, very difficult time period um, for everyone. And there's a high level of anxiety, you know, all kinds of experiences that people have had. And so I encourage my clients to the greatest extent possible to make certain that their their folks on the ground, their managers and supervisors and HR staff are empathetic and kind when communicating with people who have, you know, who have generalized fear, generalized anxiety about, you know, coming back to work and or, or working in um, an environment where some people are vaccinated and some people are not. It's really important to train people to have those conversations in a really empathetic way, but still applying the rules in a consistent manner. Ify Ford, this is a loaded topic. There is a lot to discuss, a lot to discover. We're so happy that you've shared your insights and your expertise. Kiffy, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, what's the best way? 
Um, the best way is to go to our website, Warner, Norcross, and Judd, and I am easily found there. I can also be emailed at kford at wnj.com. I also wanted to add that Warner is really excited that we are opening our downtown Detroit office um, next week. And it's a beautiful space, a welcoming space that recognizes the historical significance of Detroit and the role that we play um, in this country. And so we're really excited to open our new office. We're right next to the Little Cedars Arena, downtown Detroit. And please don't hesitate to reach out if you have any questions whatsoever. Kiffy. Congratulations on the new office. I can see Thank you. you and I are here on Zoom and I can see you. I can see you are excited about that. And I just <laughs> want to tell everybody there's great information always on OESA.org. I want to do a shout out to Adam Slayman and April Buford at OESA and Kiffy Ford. We are so pleased and honored that you've shared your time with us. I know you're a very busy lady right now. Wishing you all the best in your clients and let's hope everybody just smooths into a way of figuring out how we're going to work, how we're going to get along together, and how automotive will regain its traction, if I can use a, use yes. a driving yes, word, absolutely. <laughs> and zoom off into, into a bright, happy future. Kiffy Ford, why don't you wave goodbye? Wonderful. Thank you so much, thank Bonnie. Thank you very much, Bonnie yeah. D. Graham, over and out for OESA Automotive Have a great Insiders. day. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thanks again for tuning in to Automotive Insiders, presented by OESA. Listen at your convenience to industry thought leaders as they discuss the ever-evolving industry and how companies can thrive in the new mobility landscape. All episodes are on demand on the Voice America Business Channel and at OESA.org. Automotive Insider is presented by the Original Equipment Suppliers Association.